Welcome to The Pulse, brought to you by United Regional Healthcare System. I'm Henry Florsham, President and CEO of the Wichita Falls Chamber of Commerce. We are streaming live on Facebook and YouTube, and will be rebroadcast on KJTL Texomas Fox on Sunday. My guest today, Wichita Falls City Manager, Darren Liker. Hey, Henry. Hey, Darren. Thanks for joining me today. Give me your right. elevator pitch. Who is Darren Liker? All right. I'm going to start off with a, a good one. Uh, well, let me let me go way back. Um, I'm from Kansas. I'm from central Kansas, born and raised there. So all my family is still uh, in Kansas. Um, grew up in a rural community, uh, went to college in Kansas, went to undergraduate school at Washburn University in Topeka, Kansas, and then went to graduate school and received my master's degree in public administration at Wichita State University uh, in Wichita, Kansas. Um, after that, uh, I did an internship with uh, Sedgwick County with the manager's office there, and that's the large county that Wichita sits in, so a county of about a half a million people. I uh, did that for about a year and then went to Salina, Kansas, and became a management analyst and then an assistant to the city manager. I did that for about uh, three, three and a half years and got the itch uh, to be city manager. So I wanted to take my turn in the barrel, so to speak. So I competed for the job in Sterling, Kansas and got it. Uh, and I was 28 or 29 years old, um, bright eyed. So I did that for about four years and wanted to uh, go to a larger community, you know, in city management, uh, there's only one job in the, in the town. And so when you want to uh, promote or go to a larger city, you have to move, obviously. So I applied for the assistant city manager job here in Wichita Falls and got that. And as part of that job, I was over aviation traffic and transportation and then assisted quite a bit with the budget process here. Uh, did that for about three and a half years, and then uh, my predecessor, Jim Berzina, retired, and so I competed for that job. The city did a national search, and uh, I came out on top of that search, and so at the age of 35, I was, I think, the youngest city manager in Wichita Falls, and I've been in that position uh, ever since so for about 15 years. Uh, to give you an idea uh, about myself on, the, on a personal level, uh, been married to my wife, uh, Beth, now for 28 years. We've got two uh, great kids. Uh, our oldest son, Blake, uh, lives in Houston. He's an aerospace engineer uh, for a, a NASA subcontractor at Johnson Space Center. Uh, so he's working on some really cool stuff right now that will ultimately uh, help with the next manned uh, lunar mission. And my daughter, Brooke, uh, she's also very talented. Uh, she just graduated from Midwestern State University with a, a degree in, in music education. And uh, just this week, in fact, she signed a contract to be a music education teacher at the Granbury ISD. So uh, very proud of my kids and my family. And so um, that's a pretty good background on myself. Good. Thanks for sharing that. Walk us through the, the, the normal, if there's such a thing, uh, the normal day for a city manager. Well, it, it, you know, it sounds cliche, but it's true. There's really no normal day. 
um, I'll come into work and uh, be hit with things that I never uh, imagined I would uh, be faced with. Um, and so I, I carefully plan out the day the best I can, um, but, but that quickly goes out the window. So just to give you an idea, uh, today, for example, uh, I worked on uh, prairie dog issues, uh, pigeon issues, uh, folks angry about prairie dogs getting out at Kiwanis Park. Um, we worked on the COVID-19 situation. Uh, obviously, I received a report from Lou Kreidler, my health department director, about the, the latest status of that. Uh, worked on our multi-million dollar budget process. Uh, worked some on a huge drainage project they were going to be doing uh, over the next couple of years. And, and uh, so I'm not sure what I'll work on uh, after this finishes up, but um, it's very diverse. And I'm sure that was the case before March 2020. What's the last three months been like for you? Well, it's really been a whirlwind, as you could imagine. Um, middle of March, the third week of March, things spun up really quickly. Uh, we knew we had to get a handle on the health emergency, but at the same time, we knew we were going to be faced with a financial emergency. So we were working two parallel paths, uh, working the health emergency, uh, doing what was best for the community, uh, but also we were quickly putting plans in place to uh, deal with the fiscal emergency uh, that, frankly, we're in right now. What can you tell us in terms of an update on, on COVID-19 cases? Well, as of last night, we were at 230 cases, which, as you know, in the last two weeks, a number of positive cases have really uh, exploded locally. Um, so far today, another 15 positive cases have come in, uh, and that'll probably grow uh, before the announcement tonight is made as well. I think we've got uh, still about eight or nine folks hospitalized. I got several messages yesterday from people that I don't know if this how this rumor got out, but but that the city was about to make masks mandatory in public. And I know that's not the case because I asked several uh, of our officials that. But can you tell me about any conversations related to that? Well, we did have um, a conference call actually with the county judge and several other local leaders on Monday afternoon to talk about the COVID-19 situation and what uh, we may need to think about doing if, if this trend continues. It's important to note, though, that the governor uh, really preempted uh, local governments, cities, counties from uh, making a lot of these decisions. So with respect to masks, for example, we cannot legally mandate that folks wear a mask when they're out in public. Uh, the governor not too long ago uh, came out and said that uh, although cities and counties cannot do that, they can force businesses to require masks. So it's a little bit of a legal uh, debate on what he meant by that, because at the same time, he says we can't fine people uh, or, you know, there's no penalty. So without that, obviously, there's no teeth in any uh, any ordinance. So. Uh, but I can tell you at this point, uh, there's no plans to require that even. What we're doing is doubling our efforts to try and educate businesses and the public on uh, the best practices. And, and they simply are, when you're out, uh, 
certainly uh, try to maintain social distancing that six feet. And if you can't, even if it's possible, but certainly if you cannot maintain social distancing, wear a mask. Uh, again, the mask is there to protect uh, other people. If you cough or sneeze, remember this COVID-19 uh, uh, spreads very fast through droplets. And so it's that barrier. Now masks aren't, um, you know, the end all be all, but it's a tool in the toolbox. So, so that's a big recommendation. The other recommendation that we just simply can't say enough is personal hygiene. Wash those hands. I mean, the, these hands, the pads of your fingers, uh, carry so many germs and uh, it's very important uh, to wash your hands as, as often uh, as possible. And then certainly stay home. Uh, stay home if you can. If you can work from home, uh, do that. Try not to go out in, in uh, large gatherings and in close proximity. I mean, if we, if we practice those three things, uh, I think we can really tamp this down. And unfortunately, I think from about Memorial Day on, folks just kind of tapped out. They just kind of said, look, we're, you know, summer's here. We're, we're tired of, of sheltering in place. We're going to go back out about our business. And uh, we're unfortunately seeing the result of that in these higher cases. Tell me somebody you've seen go above and beyond the call of duty since all this started. Wow, that's a tough question um, because our team, there's so many great folks on our team uh, that's really pulled together in this time. But if, if I had to say one person or perhaps two, I would I would say that Lou Kreidler, our health department director, and Amy Fagan, our assistant health director, they've really gone above and beyond. Uh, those ladies have worked uh, tirelessly, uh, you know, 60 plus hour work weeks since this began. Um, and uh, you, you can imagine the last week or two, what their days have looked like uh, when these cases have exploded. So th those two folks have just done a tremendous job. All right, really important question that our audience wants to know about. Have you watched Tiger King? <laughs> I did, Henry, and because I knew you were going to ask me that question, so I wanted to watch it. Did you binge watch it last night? Actually, I didn't. I watched it uh, several weeks ago, and the, the reason was because I wanted to find out what all the buzz was about. You know, I knew we, we had a, a regional connection to the show uh, with a gentleman that lives up in Burke, and so I, I did watch it. Uh, my wife didn't last very long, though. She, I think, quit watching after maybe the the first episode, maybe the, the first half of the first episode, but, you know, it kind of just pulls you in. I mean, it, it, it's kind of like, uh, you know, seeing a, you know, a car wreck or something, you can't not look. Um, so I did watch it, but uh, some, some strange things uh, went on up north. Yeah, some weird timing that that came out right as, as this happened, and we all got shut down in our homes for longer than normal and couldn't go out. And I, I don't know, maybe it was a plot, but I, you're right about it being a car wreck. I, I couldn't stop watching. I didn't really enjoy the end of it, the last episode or two. Maybe the novelty had worn off, but man, those first few episodes, it was just like, oh my God. Yeah, you, you, had to, you had to tune in to see what the, the next crazy chapter from Joe Exotic was gonna look like. Well, and you also had to, to watch it just so you'd know what all your friends were talking about on Facebook because right. every other post was about it. Right. And, and if you ever felt or wondered if you were normal or not, 
you did just watch that show and then you quickly realized you were pretty normal, right? Definitely a, a self-help show, making yeah. you feel better about yourself. Yeah. Uh, COVID-19 notwithstanding, let's, let's go back to your first day on the job as city manager. How are things different today than they were back then? Wow, a lot of things are different. I mean, obviously from the technological side, uh, it's, it's much different. I mean, uh, we, we use lots of technology today that we didn't then. Um, for example, the GIS system, uh, geographic information systems, the, the sophisticated mapping systems that we use, the, the way that we televise, uh, you know, water and sewer lines to see if they need maintained uh, has really evolved. Um, the other thing I, that I would say is, is much different, obviously, is social media, uh, how social media uh, plays into how we communicate with the public and, and just really do our jobs. And social media is really interesting these days because uh, whether you're talking about public officials or, or somebody in my role, it's on the one hand, it's really easy to communicate with your constituents and to be uh, to be accessible. On the other hand, my gosh, if you if you have thin skin and you get on Facebook and see the things that people post about me or the mayor or you or whoever, it's tough. And so I'm not sure that's a real improvement or not. We got a we got a question from the audience. This is great. First question from the audience from Julie Williams Coley wants to know, do you think Carol Baskin killed her husband? You know, uh, based on what was portrayed in the show and in what I know from that uh, leads you to believe that, that she did. Uh, but that's certainly just my opinion. COVID-19 has certainly had a, a huge financial impact uh, all the way around, whether you're talking about on people's household budgets or, or, or whatever. What do you expect will the, the, the fiscal impact be on the city of Wichita Falls? Well, it came quick and, and hard. Uh, in terms of, of the, the impact. Um, our general fund, which as you know, is our largest uh, fund that uh, pays for things like police services, fire department, street maintenance, uh, park services, planning, a whole host of things. Um, the general fund uh, receives its funding primarily from two sources, property tax, number one source. The second source, which is ever growing, is the sales tax. And so, uh, we knew the sales tax was really going to fall off the cliff and, and take a huge hit, and it, and it has uh, so far. But beyond that, um, you know, things like our hotel occupancy tax uh, that we use to help fund the Impact Center and our Convention and Visitors Bureau, um, you know, has taken a huge hit. Interest earnings at the same time, you know, a year ago, we were earning about 2% on our idle funds, which is multi-million dollars uh, for the city. And we're, we're down to uh, a little over, a, you know, a tenth of a percent. So we're, we're losing hundreds of thousands of dollars uh, from last year just on interest earnings. Um, you know, the uh, alcoholic beverage tax is way down. So, you know, all those things come together to, to make this perfect storm. And at the same time, we had to spend a lot of overtime responding to the COVID emergency and things like that. So uh, we're, we're just still, you know, in the beginning stages of, of what I earlier termed as the fiscal emergency. But we knew that. We knew we were going to have that. So we took uh, quick and decisive action uh, early on. 
to put a moratorium on unnecessary spending, non-emergency spending. Uh, we put hiring freezes in place, a whole host of things. And that has saved us uh, a few million dollars, uh, honestly. And then we're, you know, in the midst right now of formulating our 2020-21 uh, fiscal year budget, which starts October 1st. And uh, we really had to tighten our belts and make lots of cuts uh, to that budget as well. So the good news is that we, we've been very uh, frugal and uh, good managers of our funds. And so we had a healthy reserve fund, uh, you know, that rainy day fund, if you will, for things like a, a tornado or a large legal settlement or something like this. And so we were able to lean on that uh, somewhat. And we're really in a lot better shape than many uh, communities around the state because of that. For those of you who just joined us, you're watching The Pulse, brought to you by United Regional Healthcare System. My guest today is Wichita Falls City Manager, Darren Liker. Darren, we've got a situation in Wichita Falls where every two years you've got city councilors uh, running for, for re-election. And so every year they're staggered. So every year you've got uh, new seats coming open. You've got a mayor running for office every two years. How do you, and you, you work for them, right? How, how do you help and how does the city help city councilors and a mayor get settled into their roles? Because they obviously don't know everything about city operations and governance from the, from day one. Right. Well, you know, for a little background, uh, we have what's called a, a mayor council form of government or manager council form of government rather. That's uh, where the mayor and council hires uh, a city manager to run the day-to-day -day operations of the city. And it's really, um, you know, when people ask me what a city manager does, I use the analogy of a private company uh, because people can identify with that. So a, a private company has a board of directors, right? That would be analogous to my city council. Uh, board of directors will have a chairman of the board. That would be similar to our mayor's position. And the board of directors will hire a CEO or a chief administrative officer to run the day-to-day -day operations. And that's what the city manager position is. So as you alluded to, uh, my bosses, I've got seven bosses and, and they, they change hands uh, as frequently as every two years. And uh, it poses a couple of different challenges. Uh, one, the continuity of the organization. If you've got a strategic plan that you've been working on, uh, you really have to make course corrections um, if you get new folks uh, with different ideas come on board. Um, and, you know, that's one of the most difficult things about being a city manager is adapting to new council, new mayors. And, uh, you know, I've seen a lot of good city managers uh, across the state, across the country that they don't last very long. They last a, a couple of years because, um, you know, they don't want to change. They don't want to evolve. So they'll get new council members that will want to do different things or think in a different way and they will dig in the city managers and say well i you know i'll i'll outlast you you know you're temporary i'm not and they'll quickly realize that you know we are staff uh, we work for the city council uh, it, it's their prerogative uh, so i work really hard on that and to your question about how we prepare new council members uh, once, a, once a person files uh, to run for mayor or council member, I immediately send them a letter 
uh, inviting them to come in and sit down with me and talk about any city issues uh, that we're currently working on to answer any questions they have about the organization. Uh, because I know those folks will go out and then during the campaign they'll they'll speak to civic clubs and you know the League of Women Voters and and like and and I want them to to have some information some background about the city and what we're doing and then after the election I immediately reach out to the winners and we schedule a new council member orientation session and it's pretty exhaustive you can ask some of the council members that, that go through that uh, it's a total immersion into the organization where we put them in front of every uh, department head for a couple of hours at each session to talk through their jobs, what they do. Um, we give tours of, of the different city facilities and, and so forth. And, and that really helps. That takes quite a bit of time, honestly, a couple of weeks. Um, but it pays dividends because those council members uh, quickly get immersed into the organization and can hit the ground running. Who's your favorite city counselor? I'm just kidding. I'm not, I'm not, I'm like, not gonna ask you that. Who my favorite child is, right? Yeah, exactly. Uh, I got a, a question on our Facebook page from Colin Stevens. Uh, and I don't know if you know the answer to this yet, but what are some of the main things to be cut in next year's budget? Well, you know, I have not submitted my budget to city council yet. Uh, my preliminary budget will be due in about three weeks to them. So I, I don't wanna show my cards too much because I don't wanna get out ahead of them. But um, all that to say, um, we have cut just about every department, uh, certainly in the general fund. Uh, we've really tightened our belts because the last thing we wanted to do during this COVID-19 uh, emergency is uh, have to increase taxes. So, so at the same time, we're seeing our revenues really fall off. Uh, we understand uh, that we have to do our part and we can't pass on a tax increase to, to the public uh, right now. That's simply not palatable. So that meant we had to uh, really take a hard look at our operations and, and cut back where necessary. Um, I will tell you this, that, you know, there, there will not be any pay raises in my budget recommendation to city council. Um, you know, we'll, we'll cut things like travel and training and, and uh, those discretionary accounts uh, that we can uh, so that we'll submit a budget that'll be uh, probably three to five million dollars less than the one we're in right now. Can you point to one day on the job in this position that was your best day ever in this job? Well, I, I want to say that it was the day I was hired, you know, the day the council took took the chance on a 35 year old uh, guy that, uh, you know, to lead this organization of 1200 employees. And, you know, uh, currently we're at $190 million budget. So, uh, you know, it's like running a big corporation, if you will, we're, we're a big business. So obviously that was the day I celebrated. Uh, I believe it was September uh, 6th of, of 2005, to be exact. Um, beyond that, um, you know, I really celebrate. I don't know if it was one day. It, it was over the course of days when the drought broke uh, in May of 2015. In fact, I can remember, uh, you know, laying in bed one night, and I, I lost lots of sleep during that, that new drought of record we went through. But I remember... 
uh, in particular, laying in bed one night when these storms were just rolling in and, and looking at my radar and seeing, you know, these the massive thunderstorms that were just parked over our watershed, you know. Uh, we always tell people that it, it really doesn't matter if it rains over Wichita Falls, it needs to rain over our watershed, you know, uh, southwest of here um, to get into Lake Arrowhead and Kickapoo and Kemp. And uh, those storms were just parked there. They were not moving. They were just dumping an enormous amount of rain. Uh, so I just, you know, I really celebrated that. And to your credit, I remember you telling me and others several times that we weren't going to gradually get out of the drought. It was going to take a massive event like that. Right. And it, it was pretty cool. My family and I moved here at the end of 2013. And so we had never seen water in Lake Wichita, except way out there in the middle. And I remember that Sunday after it rained and kept raining that we went out to the lake and and it was just spectacular. There were waves coming in and there were mosquitoes that had already hatched. And it was like it was like you expect a normal lake to be. And there must have been 200 people out there just taking pictures and video and, and you could feel the relief. It was pretty special. Yeah, it was a spectacle. I mean, I, I remember driving out to, to the spillway at Lake Wichita and there were just people out there watching and taking pictures and video and just celebrating seeing that water go over the spillway because i mean that was probably one of the toughest uh, things i've had to work through in my career was that that drought that that was a new drought of record and what that means is that going back as far as weather records um, went back uh, 106 years i believe that was the worst drought wichita falls had ever experienced and we were very close to, to running out of water. And there weren't a lot of good options. I mean, we were cloud seeding and we were applying, um, you know, barrier chemicals over the, the lakes to try to just just slightly reduce the evaporative factor in, in different things. We put together a, you know, a, was, was the largest uh, direct potable reuse project in the country uh, really quickly. In fact, we didn't even bury the pipes. We laid them on top of Holiday Creek to recycle our water. Uh, so, you know, the community, uh, there was a lot of praying uh, going on. In fact, you still see, you know, the pray for rain signs around town uh, in places, but uh, the community uh, lived through quite a bit and celebrated that. Is there one city department that occupies more of your time than the others? Um, obviously, right now, I would say it's probably a tie between the health department because of the COVID-19 emergency and the finance department because we're in the throes of, of the budget process. Uh, one of the chief responsibilities that I have uh, per the city charter is to uh, draft the preliminary budget. And so we're really working hard every day on that. So that right now, it's those two departments. What's your favorite movie? Oh gosh, you know I I, I have a lot of, of of good movies. You know I watched a, I watched an old uh, movie a while back uh, that was really a classic. Uh, a river runs through it. Uh, you know uh, Brad Pitt. Uh, you know that movie, don't you? Where they yeah. fly fish in in Montana. I think uh, that was a great movie. And I always have to watch Shawshank Redemption when when I'm flipping through the channels and and I see it get on. So. Those are a couple that, that come to mind that are that are always classic. Yeah, my friends know that Shawshank is one of my favorites. And I think it's something my dad instilled in me. That quote, 
that, that Andy tells Red about get busy living, get busy dying. The whole, right. the, yeah. the whole yeah, the whole premise is just hope is a good thing. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's the way I've always lived. It's like I'm not going to dwell on the stress from yesterday because it's gone and I can choose to deal with it or I can choose to move on. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, for those of you watching at home on, on Fox 18, we want to say thanks for watching The Pulse, sponsored by United Regional Healthcare Center. For the live stream audience, stick around. We'll be right back. And to everyone watching on Fox, you can visit the Chamber's Facebook page to watch the show in its entirety. So thanks again for Tech with Fox for airing The Pulse and to Darren Liker, City Manager, for joining us. We'll see you next time. And we're back. Darren, when you were little, what did you want to be when you grew up? Um, you know, as I recall, I wanted to be a police officer. In fact, um, you know, in high school, that's kind of, that was a career, um, you know, aspiration. And uh, my undergraduate degree is, is criminal justice. And I wanted to go in the FBI. And so my plan was to go to law school uh, because most FBI agents are lawyers or accountants. Um, so it was my probably junior year of undergraduate school that I, I took a public administration class and uh, it was over city management. And I had an opportunity to do an internship with the city of Topeka, Kansas. And I, I kind of fell in love with that. But uh, as a kid, I think, you know, a police officer was uh, what I wanted to be when I grew up. Go back to the 18-year-old Darren Liker. If there was something you could tell him, what would it be? Uh, well, I would probably tell him to uh, invest uh, in a, a small company from Cupertino, Cupertino California uh, called Apple. Um, and then uh, a little bit later, perhaps invest in uh you know, Amazon or something like that. But uh, no, I, I would I would go back and, you know, I would would uh, uh, tell him that, uh, you know, you can be anything. I mean, you know, the, the, the future is in your hands um, if you work hard uh, and you treat people right. Is there another community that you follow that uh, really does things in a positive way that you could point to? Yeah, um, you know, in the world of city management, we're it's a close knit group, and so you know, I've got friends and obviously managers in Texas, but but all over the country, and and there's communities that you know, obviously we watch, uh, I watch close. It seems to be doing things really well. Um, you know, in Texas, you you've got cities like Sugarland and and uh, further north, uh, Plano and Frisco and places like that. But uh, there's a lot of well-run cities around the state, certainly. What do you like the most about your job? Well, what I love most about my job is that, and we talked about it uh, early on, is that no two days are alike. Uh, You know, I get to work on some really cool things. You know, I I get to build, you know, multi-million dollar travel centers and new airport uh, facilities and rebuild general aviation airports. So I like the fact that, you know, I can work on something from the very early stage from the concept or planning stage and see that actually built out and, and actually get to cut the ribbon, uh, you know, on projects like that. Um, something else I would probably say, is, you know, Shepard Air Force Base, I love having Shepard uh, in our backyard because we work so closely with the folks at Shepard. 
uh, that, you know, uh, when I look around uh, at my colleagues in other cities uh, that, that don't have that opportunity, you know, it makes me appreciate that. And uh, probably lastly, I would just say that I'm fortunate uh, to have, you know, great staff and a great mayor and council to, to work for. So that really makes me appreciate the job. I think you said 1,200 employees, $190 million budget. How do you handle stress? Well, it, it's an interesting question. Um, stress is probably what you know burns out city managers the, the quickest. And the ones that, that have staying power, the ones that, that do well, um, are the ones that you know evolve, like I mentioned earlier, with, with new employees and new, new challenges and new council members. Uh, but also the ones who can manage that stress. I mean, we all have stress, right? It's how you, it's how you manage that stress. And for me, um, my number one uh, way that I manage stress is through exercise. I, I'm kind of a fitness nut. Um, you know, uh, I work out, you know, six days a week. Usually um, I'm on the elliptical for 50 minutes to an hour. Uh, and then I try and lift weights three times a week. Uh, so that, for me, uh, is is a great you know way to manage stress. And then the other the other way I can manage stress, I think, um, I've got a good handle on what I would call a, a work life balance. So w when I go home, um, even after a very stressful day, I, I try to leave work at work uh, and. and you know, compartmentalize. I'm really good at compartmentalizing things because I work on so many different things at once. I, I have to, to master that, but I'm good at, at putting those in, you know, uh, the compartment until, you know, later that evening when I can work on it or the next morning. Um, and that, that's kind of the recipe, I think, for how I can manage stress. And I bet a big part of that is that you don't even have a Facebook account. That's right. I mean, I, you know, unconsciously I don't. I mean, obviously we've got, you know, the city has a major social media presence. Uh, you know, we reach 60 some thousand people a week on our platforms. And, you know, so I'm, I'm part of that, obviously, in my job. But but I purposefully don't, uh, you know, have a Twitter or a Facebook account um, because I, I know that if I if I got pulled into that, you know, it would turn into work and uh you know conflict with with folks that, that might be upset about something with the city so so i've, I've kept at arm's length on that uh, my wife has you know facebook and so so i'm on there uh with her keeping up with family and friends and such oh people don't argue on facebook the mayor and i never get into vigorous debates with people you know, and I, it's difficult to read some of the stuff that is posted and, and frustrating to me when, when I know the facts are different uh, and I get frustrated when people don't seek those facts out. But, you know, unfortunately, it's, it's the world we live in today. We're very, we're very divisive. You know, people have, have, have essentially picked their camps and they're entrenched uh, one, one side or the other. And, and, uh, you know, with, with a lot of the news outlets, outlets that cater to whatever you believe, uh, you know, it, it kind of becomes incestuous. And, and uh, that, that's gotten worse, uh, certainly, in my time, uh, you know, in, in my career, that the divisiveness, uh, I think, uh, is, is a lot worse than, 
than it, it was. But social media can be a great thing, a great tool, but like any technology, uh, you know, it has its pros and cons. Yeah, I, I love it. I just have to remember what, what it's good for me to use it for. It's, it's so interesting nowadays. There's so many people that have tons of ideas, but, but very few questions. Right. That's, that's a problem. Yeah, and, and what you have to also keep in perspective when you read a negative comment, you know, we're a city of 106,000 people. And so when a handful of people complain about something, you know, uh, it, it can pull you down. It can really ruin your day. But, but I try not to, to let that uh, shift my focus because if it does, that's not fair to the rest of the, the community, the rest of the taxpayers, if you will, who expect us to, to, to continue doing the job that, that they need. So it's important to keep it in perspective that, you know, you, you hear, it's easy for, for the vocal um, minority now to go out on, on Facebook or social media and pile on um, because you don't hear from a lot of the positive side. Certainly in this business, you don't. But, you know, I, I, I talked to the mayor a lot about that. And, you know, he's, as you know, very active on social media and, and uh, God bless him. Uh, you know, I don't know how he does it. Uh, uh, you know, he reads some 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 negative stuff uh, about him, and you know, he's out there trying to to do the best job that he can, and he he does a great job. But I'll often just tell him, you know, put it in perspective. Uh, remember that this is a large city, and and uh, you know, you work for a lot of people. Let's talk about one of those um, day ruining topics that's that's reared its head lately and that's the idea of memorials and monuments staying up coming down i know that the city hasn't necessarily taken any action one way or another on that but can you tell us are there conversations being had at the city level and, and where are we at well obviously you know the issue has 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 come to a head uh, and we're, we're dealing with it and having dialogue but i would tell you that it you know whether to keep the Confederate monument or to remove it is is not my decision, not a staff decision. Uh, ultimately, would be a decision made by the mayor and city council, and and uh, there, there are no plans that I'm aware of to have the monument removed. But um, I think that uh, you know it's important, it's healthy to have that dialogue uh, because we continue to evolve. Um, but that you know we we get complaints from folks, but we also get you know, a lot of folks that tell us don't don't remove it, you know, so it's it's kind of even right now, if I had to guess of, of who uh, has come forward and asked us to remove the monument and those that have asked us to, to keep it. So it's uh, it's not an easy, you know, decision uh, should the mayor and council have to, to make that. You've been actively involved in our economic development efforts since way before I got to Wichita Falls. What do you think we can do as a community to make our area more business friendly? Well, uh, I think from I'll talk from a city uh, government standpoint, something that that we continually strive to improve on is um, how we work with those businesses, how we work with folks that want to expand that are already here or new businesses that want to move to town. It's it's critically important that we're not an obstacle, that, that we're, we're a way to, to help them succeed, uh, whether that's, again, a building expansion or someone moving into town and, and building a new building, and we have to inspect it and, and work with them closely on that. So uh, we're redoubling our efforts to, 
try to become more um, helpful, more friendly, and, and not just an obstacle. I mean, there are codes, uh, you know, especially life safety codes where, you know, the rule is the rule. Uh, you know, if, if you need a fire suppression system in a hotel, that's the rule, and that rule is there for safety. Uh, we're, we're not going to come off of that, but but when there when there are areas that we can work with the business and bend in their favor, if there's a gray area that doesn't involve you know life safety, we're going to want to bend in favor of that business for a couple of reasons. One, it's the right thing to do, and secondly, we want that business to to come to Wichita Falls and succeed. We want to grow the economy. We want to expand. Uh, so those are some things the city can do. Uh, we've taken some steps this year and we're meeting um, at least on a quarterly basis with the development community, the architects, the engineers uh, in the community to have an open dialogue about what we can do as a city to, to help, to improve, uh, to knock down some of those barriers. Uh, and that's been very helpful. You know, we've gotten some good suggestions and feedback that we've implemented. Um, and, you know, one of the other things we've done, and it was an outcrop of those meetings, frankly, was improved uh, our technology in the building inspection uh, and code enforcement area where we can accept uh, electronic plans, for example, so people don't have to take as much time off work and come in and, and bring an expensive paper plan. Uh, we can do that electronically. We can have our folks uh, using their iPads out in the field more now uh, doing inspections. So those are just some examples of, of things that we're doing, but we can always do better. One of the challenges I've heard from, from people in private enterprises is uh, quite often there may be one inspector makes a ruling here and then you know three months down the road or, or however long, another inspector comes in and gives a different uh, direction. Is that something you guys talk about as a department and how do we how do we get past that? Yeah, we talk about it all the time. And, and frankly, that's one of my pet peeves. Um, you know, the last thing we need to do is is if, if you're uh, whether you're a home builder or an architect, if, if you call for an inspection and we send uh, one inspector out and they say, OK, you have to fix these two things. Uh, and then you fix those two things and you ask for the follow up inspection and we send a different inspector out. Uh, we don't want that inspector unless, again, it's a life safety, you know, critical matter. We don't want that second inspector to come up with his or her own list. It's not fair to the business. Uh, so we really watch that close uh, to make sure that doesn't happen. You know, we, we tell the folks or our folks, you know, you get one bite at that apple. Uh, and, uh, you know, it's not fair to to the business to, to keep changing, you know, uh, uh, the goal line, uh, so to speak. So that that's important. Um, the other thing that we do that that helps a lot, and particularly with large projects, is we've offered now to have what's called pre-development meetings with folks. They're free uh, at their convenience. We'll we'll bring our development team in and sit down before they start the project to answer questions, to talk through any you know thorny issues uh, that they may have, any questions that they have. And, uh, you know, nine times out of 10, it boils down to communication with people. And if you can do that at the front end, it really makes these projects go by so much smoother. You are watching The Pulse, brought to you by United Regional Healthcare System. My guest today is Wichita Falls City Manager Darren Liker. 
Darren, what is the craziest and or funniest thing that you've seen happen at a city council meeting? <laughs> oh boy, good question. Um, I've had a lot of city council meetings over my years. Um, I probably shouldn't, I'm thinking of one uh, thing that, that was funny, but I, I probably shouldn't say it. Uh, it might get myself in trouble. Uh, so I, I won't say it, but by and large, I mean, our council meetings are, uh, you know, ran like, you know, a business meeting. Uh, they don't get crazy. They don't get out of hand. Like uh, you see some of the council meetings in Austin uh, that go all night long and you get, you know, all these protesters that, that show up naked or something like that to the council meeting. Uh, ours are pretty tame. Uh, I'm from Louisiana. I've seen all kind of crazy stuff. Yeah. When I was in Lafayette, we had a counselor carve his name on the dais while he was sitting up there uh, not intentionally not listening to the mayor that was talking about an issue they were about to vote on. It was, it was interesting. Yeah. Are you guys using any technologies that you were not using before COVID-19 hit? Um, yeah, we are. And in fact, uh, one thing that comes to mind is, you know, the video teleconferencing, uh, whether it's Zoom or, or the, the Google Meets platform, uh, we've done a lot of that. So we've had a lot of meetings, uh, via video um, and it's worked out well. Uh, we've also, you know, had folks work from home uh, and introduce some new technology uh, where they can, you know, uh, get right into the city networks uh, to continue their work. So those are just a couple of examples where um, I think we've, um, you know, learned a great deal and we'll probably carry some of those lessons forward even after uh, COVID-19 is, is uh, finished with us. What kind of student were you? You know, I was a good student. I mean, I, 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 I was a smart kid. I made good grades. Um, you know, I uh, had to work my way through college, uh, you know, and pay, I paid for my, I'm proud to say I paid for my college. So I had part-time job. My first job was probably when I was 14 years old, uh, working on farms in, in rural Kansas, whether it was driving a wheat truck, driving a tractor, uh, you know, disking fields, uh, a lot of that kind of stuff. And, um, you know, I worked as a cook, uh, meat cutter in steakhouses, uh, security guards, um, and that kind of thing through college. My first job was in the kitchen at McDonald's. And my first day, they told me to be there at 545. I assumed that meant PM. And so six o'clock comes around my first day of work in my entire life. And I'm not there. I was still asleep. That was amazing. What's your when favorite? Back, back to grades. I mean, I, uh, you know, as an undergraduate, uh, I had scholarships, academic scholarships, and I was actually really fortunate uh, because um, the graduate school I wanted to go to offered me a, a graduate uh, assistantship. So I was able to do research and help teach some undergraduate courses. Uh, and basically I went to grad school for free. They, they paid me a stipend. So I actually made a little bit of money. So, uh, that worked out, um, pretty well. Nice. Who's your favorite band and what's your favorite song of theirs? Well, you know, I'm, I'm kind of, I'm a teenager from the eighties. So, um, I grew up listening to hair bands, you know, Motley Crue, Ozzy Osbourne. In fact, I went to an Ozzy Osbourne concert, I believe it was 86 or 87, something like that. Uh, so I listened to, to that kind of music and, and that's still kind of carried forward now. I, I listen to 
you know, my satellite radios either tuned to, you know, the 80s music or uh, classic rock or, uh, you know, uh, the Aussie Channel or, or Hair Nation. So what Aussie song is your favorite? Um, you know, I liked uh, a lot of his, his early stuff, you know, uh, Ultimate Center album, those kind of things. Uh, but, uh, you know, um, if, if you look at my Apple Music album now that I listen to, it, it's pretty diverse. You know, I like uh, about everything except uh, hip hop and rap. Molly Crew, Home Sweet Home. Yeah, great song. What do you, you know? The, the uh, documentary, I think that was on Netflix. Yeah. The uh, about Crew. Uh, enjoyed watching that. Yeah, the book's great. The book's better if you ever get a chance to read okay, it. I haven't read the book. Much, much more uh, realistic and in depth. Mm -hmm. What do you love the most about Wichita Falls? Well, you know, personally, I mean, I, I raised my family here. You know, when we moved here in 2002, my, my kids were, were, were little. Uh, and so it's a great place to raise a family. Um, and then professionally, um, I, I would call Wichita Falls kind of that sweet spot uh, to be a city manager in terms of population uh, and responsibility. I mean, we're we're not like a metroplex city where we don't run the water system and the wastewater treatment system and police dispatch. Uh, you know, a lot of those cities contract with the county and, and other larger cities. We're a full service regional city, uh, regional trade center. So, you know, we run things across the board uh, that many cities don't don't handle, whether it's a health department, uh, whether it's a, a multi-purpose event center, airports, and the like. Uh, and then our population is, is a good number. We're not too large. We're not too small. We're kind of a, a good fit. And then geographically, we're in a good location. You know, Texas is a great place to live. It's a great place to be a city manager. And, uh, you know, we're close to, you know, a metropolitan area if, if we need that and services that we can't find here. So, those are things that, that I really like about Wichita Falls. And part of the reason it's, it's a great place to raise a family, too, is I think we have genuine, uh, genuine good people here that, that look out for each other. Uh, really good people. You are correct. We were talking to some business visitors we had in town today, and uh, that, that whole idea of quality of life came up. And, and yeah, for, for us, it's 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 that big little city or little big city or whatever you want to call it. I think 100,000 people is a good size to offer what our our citizens need. And then you add in a couple of things. So you got this international flair because of Shepherd Air Force Base and our manufacturing community. And then you add in the fact that there's no traffic anywhere. And then you add in the fact we were just named the lowest cost of living city in the entire country. Right. And so those things together tell a pretty good story. Yeah. You know, we've got... Midwestern State University, uh, really, really a gem for us. Uh, you know, I wish more people would realize uh, how lucky we are to have MSU. I mean, my, I, I mentioned earlier my daughter uh, is a pro product of MSU. Uh, it's a great school, so we're fortunate to have it. No doubt. And the international flavor for this community, it comes from that uh, large group of international students. It's just awesome. Right. Do you cook? I do. I like to cook. You know, I, I alluded to earlier that one of my one of my first jobs as a teenager was was a cook in a steakhouse, uh, and then I transitioned to to a meat cutter. So I was I was cutting the steaks in in those steakhouses. 
so obviously I like to, to grill. Um, I've got a, uh, an outdoor kitchen at my house. Uh, and so I have a smoker, a Kamado style ceramic uh, smoker that I like to use as well as, as the grill. So steaks, uh, all kinds of barbecue. I like to go out on the weekends and, and uh, fire up the uh, grill and, and the griddle and, and cook uh, you know pancakes, eggs, bacon, and that sort of thing. Glenn Barham is watching and he says, Credence Clearwater Revival, best ever. Yeah. But, he, but he's old. That was a little earlier than my time, but they're a great group. Yeah, Credence was good. They're one of those bands that uh, it's kind of like the Beatles. You start listening to them and you didn't realize how many of their songs you actually knew. Exactly. Yeah. When you run into a problem or an issue that you just can't figure out, who do you go to? Well, you know, city manager world can be pretty lonely uh, at times um, because you, you have, you know, when people come in and they want to meet with me or, or they have an issue, it, it's usually a pretty hairy issue. I mean, it's, it's usually something that they, you know, it, it, it's, it's pretty major deal. And so, you know, if I can't help resolve that issue, um, I reach out to my colleagues, my peers around the state, around the country. Uh, they're, they're great, you know, about, uh, helping e We're great about helping each other and, and, uh, talking about how we've had similar, uh, examples and, and how we've worked through those issues. We talked about Tiger King a, mm -hmm. a little bit earlier. Now that you're past that mess, you guys been binge watching anything else? Um, well, yeah, we, I don't know if I would call it binge watching, but we try to watch an episode or two in the evening, uh, uh, a show called Yellowstone. Have you ever seen that? No, but is that Kevin Costner? It's Kevin Costner. Uh, you know, he plays the patriarch. Uh, it's about a, a, a this, this huge uh, Montana ranch just outside the the park, the Yellowstone Park, um, and it's it's very good. It really just pulls you in. So I think there's four seasons now, three or four seasons, and we're uh, still making our way through. I think the end of season two, but but it it's what I would would. Um, uh, categorize as maybe a, a combination, a cross between The Sopranos and Gunsmoke, because it, you know, it's, it's kind of ruthless. It's a gritty show, uh, but I'd say it's probably one of Kevin Costner's, uh, you know, best acting uh, pieces. I've never seen an actor that can do so well at that gruff cowboy type character, but at the same time, he's been in six or seven amazing sports movies, playing yeah. baseball players, pro golfer, uh, right. a long distance cyclist, some crazy stuff. Mm -hmm. I know there's no crystal ball, but what do you think the next couple of months look like for Wichita Falls? Well, I think the next couple of months uh, are critical. And um, you know, I'm talking about from the COVID-19 side. I, I think that, you know, we're seeing a real uptick in the number of cases. Uh, and uh, I'm, I'm worried, frankly, about that. Um, all along, we've said, you know, we had to flatten the curve and we did, we did that, we did very well. And now we're seeing the cases just kind of explode. And my, my fear is that, you know, if it gets to the vulnerable population, the, the elderly, the, the ones that have um, compromised health systems, uh, a lot of those folks are gonna have to be hospitalized. I think at last count, we had eight or nine in the hospital now. Um, you know, I, I just worry that we'll overwhelm our, our healthcare system. So we need to, to do everything we can to try to avoid that. So, you know, 
I'm not sure what this winter will look like either. Um, but, you know, this trend that we're seeing the last few weeks can't continue. Uh, so hopefully we can reverse that. And then hopefully when school starts, uh, we don't see a, a surge of cases in the schools. I know Mike Kurt, you know, and his school board, you know, they're working very hard to figure out how um, and what this school year will look like and how to manage uh, through that. So we're going to have to watch that very carefully. Um, and it, from my standpoint, professional standpoint as well, we've, we've got a, a tough budget to get approved here in the next few months and a lot of work to continue uh, in that regard. Where are we at in terms of big events? At impact, you mean? Well, it, allowing any type of event, whether impact or some other organization at some other place. Right. We're still kind of at the mercy of the governor of Texas, his order. Uh, and, you know, we, we can't have large gatherings of 500 people or more. And so obviously concerts and things like that, uh, we're just not we're not ready. Uh, we're not able to, to host those yet. So, you know, I mentioned budget cuts earlier. Uh, the department uh, city function that's probably taken the biggest hit is the multipurpose event center. You know, I mentioned at council the other day that, that impact has been, uh, is still between a vice. On the one side, uh, they're being squeezed by uh, the hotel occupancy taxes being half of what they were a year ago. On the other side, um, they can't open their doors and generate any new revenue. So it's it's been very tough on impact. And so uh, we've had lots of staff furloughs and some layoffs, uh, and we've done everything we can to minimize costs. And you know, hopefully, um, we we can uh, start hosting some events. Uh, probably won't be until this fall at the earliest, I would guess. What advice would you have for, for a brand new public administrator? Oh, good question. Um, well, first of all, I would thank them uh, for, for having the goal, for wanting to, to go into public administration, hopefully city management. I mean, it's, it's a good career, but uh, there aren't many, the, the pipeline is really slowed down. So in, in government, you know, across the, the board, uh, a lot of, of younger people are not choosing to go into it. Uh, a lot of reasons why you could speculate it's it's because of the you know the climate uh, today that we live in with you know uh, the negativity and, and and everything but you know if, if I had a person that was young and interested in it I, I would do my best to encourage them uh, to you know go into the business you know if you want to be a city manager of, of a, a large community uh, anyway you, you really need a master's degree so th there's a set track that you go to uh, to kind of get that city management training so obviously they would need to do that and then along the way I would would tell them you know uh, pick up some mentors along the way uh, they're invaluable I, I had mentors that helped me uh, throughout the career um, and so those are just a few things I would tell them I'm glad you didn't say good God stay away no, I wouldn't say that. So we've got about a minute left. Is there any message you, you want to share with the citizens of Wichita Falls? Sure. Um, I would say a couple of things. Again, on the COVID-19 situation, because that, that's kind of first and foremost here. Um, you know, thank you for what you've done up to this point. Um, comparatively, we still are in a lot better shape than our peer cities. 
whether it's Abilene or Amarillo or Longview or Tyler. Uh, although our cases are really taking off, uh, you know, cumulatively, we're, we're still not in bad shape. We've not, uh, you know, seen lots of hospitalizations to, to overwhelm the system. Uh, so I want to thank everybody for doing their part. Uh, we just ask that you continue to try to wear a mask, wash your hands, uh, work from home if possible, and and just just do your part. Uh, we're we're all in this uh, uh, together. All right. Well, that's it for today's edition of the Pulse. Thanks to my guest Darren Liker and to our sponsor, United Regional Healthcare System. This show can be found on the Chamber's Facebook page in its entirety, also at Texoma's homepage and on. KJTL Texoma's Fox this Sunday. Join us next time on The Pulse. I'll see you then.